We didn't always start out with the I-6 process. So when we were founded in 1899, we weren't using the I-6 process. But probably about five to seven years ago, we took the time to say, when we look at all of the innovations at Sunoco, which ones have been successful and why? And so, and we combed through years and years worth of, of data, worth of product launches, and tried to understand what were the commonalities across all of those products. And that's how the I-6 uh, process was born, is really taking a reflective look to say, you know, we didn't call it I-6, but this is exactly what we were doing. We were walking through insights and ideation. This is Of Note, a podcast on innovation. I'm Laura McIntosh. And I'm Joseph Nother. Of Note is powered by Scribble, South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. Join us as we talk with some of the most inspirational entrepreneurs, leaders, and scientists across the state as they share their experiences with invention, growth, funding, culture, and creativity. If you open a can of Pringles, you've experienced the work of Elizabeth Rue firsthand. But as the iconic 1996 advertising teases, once you pop, you can't stop. That consumer love can be a problem. One that our innovator is tackling in her role with Sunoco. Sunoco is a global leader in consumer, industrial, protective, and healthcare packaging. They are the world's largest producer of composite cans, tubes, and cores. That composite can would be a Pringles can. They've been in South Carolina since their founding in 1899, and they are the largest South Carolinian corporation in terms of sales. When we visited their campus, it was adorned in displays celebrating the recent accolades. In 2021, Fortune Magazine listed Sunoco on the world's most admired companies list. It is also recognized as a Barron's 100 most sustainable company in the United States. And that commitment to sustainability is key, not only for Sunoco or Elizabeth, but really to our way of life around the world. You see, while she's a veteran of the company, when we sat down with Elizabeth, she was newly installed into her current role, Vice President of Sustainability. And if you look at Sunoco's website, that word and that theme is at the core of their message and corporate purpose, which means she is shouldering an unprecedented responsibility that goes beyond corporate success. Her mission and what she achieves will have a lasting impact on more than just Sunoco's shareholders and brand partners. The United Nations projects the global population will grow from the current 7.8 billion to 10.9 billion people in 2100. It's clear that our generation and future generations need Elizabeth, Sunoco, and others like her to be successful in helping to steward the planet's resources and reduce consumer waste. My name is Elizabeth Rue, and I'm the Vice President of Global Sustainability with Sunoco. Sunoco is a global packaging provider providing consumer, industrial, healthcare, and protective packaging. We're uh, headquartered in Hartsville, South Carolina, founded in 1899. We're a $5.2 billion company located in over 34 countries with 20 thousand employees across 300 facilities. While you may not have heard the name Sunoco, you've certainly heard of the brands they work with. We've worked with a number of iconic brands like Kellogg, Kraft Heinz, Planners, Whirlpool, 
and a number of other brands that would be familiar to you. Even still, the packaging giant wasn't always a global leader. They weren't even in packaging in the beginning. Sunoco was founded in 1899, so we are 122 years old. We've uh, evolved and changed. I think any company that uh, performs well uh, has to adapt with the changing environment. Sunoco started off making paper cones in the textile industry, and we've continued to expand to um, include plastic packaging, fiber-based packaging, consumer packaging, healthcare packaging, and a number of other packaging formats um, uh, throughout the years. And so too has Elizabeth grown and evolved in her role with Sunoco. Yeah, so my background is in packaging science. So I started off with Sunoco in an R&D and technical role, uh, working on develop material development for our EnviroCan, which is our rigid paper container. Uh, so if you're familiar with the Pringles brand or refrigerated dough products or planters peanuts, those all are uh, packaged in our EnviroCan format. So I did a, a lot of technical development work for about 12 years in various roles, including roles uh, globally managing our uh, technology teams in Asia and supporting our teams in Europe and Brazil. And in an R&D role, essentially, well, at Sunoco, essentially you are um, understanding how those materials interact in our operations, whether or not they meet the performance required for our customers. Uh, many of our packages are meant to package food products, so you have to understand the interaction of the materials with that product. You have to understand the shelf life expectations. And, and at the end of the day, you also have to make sure that that material can be manufactured both in our facilities and can process well in our customer facilities. So it involves a lot of uh, lab uh, testing and analysis, as well as trials in our manufacturing facilities and in our pilot facilities. The R&D process in a corporate setting is no different than anywhere else. We have failures just like everyone else and we have successes just like everyone else. And really, to me, it's about how do you learn from those failures uh, and turn them into successes. So for every blockbuster package that we have out there on the market, there were probably several that failed along the way or several iterations that didn't work along the way. Several trials where you thought you had it and then something came up out of the, that you completely weren't expecting that made you have to go back, maybe not to square one, but certainly square two or three. Uh, and, and that's the case, like I said, in a corporate setting as it is in any other setting. So um, I've had plenty of times where we, we thought we had it solved, saw some good successes in a, in a trial, and then uh, the next trial, completely different results. So, <laughs> so Elizabeth just referenced the, the Pringles can, which, you know, I love that once you pop, you just can't stop. Um, which is true. It is true. For, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I love actually here recently, you know, they've, they've released some information regarding actually the Pringles can. Um, they, Sunoco, so Elizabeth's team, have been working with a company called AMP Robotics to essentially iterate on AMP's um, artificial intelligence technology so that now when... Uh, items that are similar to the Pringles can, not just the Pringles can, but that use that same packaging solution. With the steel bottom. Yeah, and the, and and the, the cardboard, roll. yeah. Yep. Uh, or I think as they officially call it, um, or more specifically what Sunoco calls their rigid paperboard cans. Um, when, it, when that ends up in a recycling center, you know, 
or any recycling center that uses the AMP uh, technology, that it now identifies that in the conveyor belt or whatever it is exactly, and it can more effectively pull it out so it can be recycled appropriately. That's really cool. And remember, the challenges of R&D were compounded with the challenges of working with international brands and teams scattered across the globe. As much as we would like to drive standardization, oftentimes we have to customize the package to the realities of wherever that material is being used and wherever it's being distributed. So in some cases we have customers, especially customers based here in the U.S., who may be distributing their product literally across the globe. So the shelf life that they require, the transportation protection during transportation that they require could be significantly different. And even the, the uh, geography of the U.S. is more challenging than a lot of other regions versus in other countries where maybe the distribution is just within that country and we don't have all of the same challenges around um, distribution or the need for longer shelf life uh, that you might have in the U.S. So absolutely, we have to consider all of the realities of the, the brand, the package, the distribution, um, and the transportation mode, all of those things factor into the design. So we probably have a million specs. <laughs> However, Elizabeth found working with a global mindset and perspective to be very rewarding. Having the opportunity to collaborate with different cultures and with people across the globe has just been an, an awesome experience for me. Um, many of the people that I worked with, I've gotten the opportunity to, to know on a personal level. Um, it's also taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about the privileges that we have in the U.S., um, things that we take for granted. Um, and it's also helped me to um, develop my interpersonal skills, you know, how I interact with people in different countries. It may change from, from region to region and what the expectations are around how you do business from region to region where some regions are more direct, some are less direct. Um, you know, in some cases, it's, it's about making sure that you're, you're saving face with the colleagues that you're working with. So I learned a lot of those soft skills uh, and a lot of those um, things that really, you, again, you take for granted here when you're doing business in the U.S. that are very important when you're uh, working with people in other regions and, and who have a different culture. After her time in R&D, Elizabeth shifted her focus towards sustainability. And then I decided I wanted a change of pace. So I moved into a commercial role in our recycling business. Sunoco is a top 10 recycler in the US. Um, so it's a great opportunity to learn about that business. I worked in a role that was essentially uh, providing a consultancy service to manufacturing operations to help them meet their zero waste to landfill goals uh, or landfill diversion goals. Did that for about three years and then um, made another change and uh, moved into our flexible packaging business where I was leading our marketing uh, group at that time. And then um, got the opportunity to bring all of those skill sets together in my current role as vice president of global sustainability, uh, where I get to touch all of our products, all of our packaging platforms across the globe and help drive the strategy for Sunoco around sustainability. And while we walked through her background and experience, we were surrounded by people focused on one thing, innovation. We are sitting in the IPS studio today, which is a uh, innovative packaging solutions studio. And this is where a lot of our design work happens. This is where we have our hive, which is essentially our design agency. 
that, again, uh, is able to tap into consumers, get insights from consumers, bring that back to brand owners, uh, also able to do prototyping, 3D modeling, all those kind of things to help bring ideas to life for our customers. And then from there, in the, kind of in the back of the studio, we have a pilot operation where we can take those ideas and those designs and then manufacture um, pilot parts or packages that can be tested in our labs that also exist within this building. So it's really a full service, one-stop shop for innovation. So when we were actually, we were in the studio, the IPS studio, and again, like they they have a really neat, all these different sort of environments in which their products can be tested and viewed. And and, and one of them is a very neat setup of an actual grocery store with, you know, all the different um, uh, aisles and shelves and just packed full of products, some that are Sunoco based, some that are not. And amongst all of this very colorful array was the TrueView can sitting there. It was hard to... I mean, it's just sort of sitting there in a subtle way, but once you start like looking deeper at what's on the shelf, it was quite hard to not to to to, to not stop and take a second look at it, wasn't it? Because it, it, it kind of like, looked like a science fair here? project sitting yeah. on the shelf. Well, and it, that's probably why it didn't it didn't, <laughs> didn't quite do make well. it. <laughs> Well, I think it was carrots. When they have like carrots, was it carrots on there? Or? I, I remember being vegetables in general, but yeah. yeah. And and so I think, again, like the, the True View Can is a great example of, you know, we talk so much about failure, especially in the entrepreneurial setting with a lot of our podcasts, but like failure is systemic no matter anytime you're trying to do something new. And, and the True View, it checked so on paper, it checked so many boxes for them, right? It was very much on trend with people wanting to see things in their packaging, yeah, it was it was, you know, the true became was very much on trend with lots of other things that market research was showing that we we wanted more transparency of what was what we were consuming. And, you know, it's all health oriented. So you can see the vegetables. But when they're like, it's vegetables that are sitting in water or whatever it is. But, you know, it just it lacked all the very colorful luster that you typically see associated with produce. Right. And so it just and, and especially the packaging that's all around. It's like, oh. That yeah. doesn't look appealing at all. Well, I mean, that was that was kind of what at least my takeaway was from it, which is sort of funny. It was sort of two points, right? One, they kind of gave people what people sort of were saying they wanted. Right. And then two, it really wasn't the problem of the package. It was the product itself. You know, I mean, the carrots, just that's what they look that's like. That's what they look like in a can. Right. And it's not their <laughs> fault, but, but that's actually, you know, do you really, people, do you really want to look at what carrots in a in a fluid suspension <laughs> before you cook it looks Look like. like yeah I, I, you know so i just I, I love that you know sunoco was willing to sort of own that 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 creative process with us and talk about it openly that yeah not everything makes it to market and you know what that's okay <laughs> it's probably also one of the perils of maybe listening too intently on what people are asking for sometimes i always think about that when i've read you know historic articles like for example with with steve jobs talking about look sometimes you don't want to give people what they want you know he's talking about do you, do you really want uh i think it was a ford example do you do you really want to um like if you just ask people what they wanted more of at the time and they only knew about a horse-drawn carriage they would just say well i just want more horses on yeah, it yeah 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 versus like no no the, the true innovation of maybe an engine a steam engine or something else isn't something they're going to know about right doesn't yeah. even exist yet exactly if you're interested in the pursuit of innovation, visit us at scribblesc.com for exclusive video interviews, news from around the state, and a comprehensive list of resources to advance your ideas. That's scribblesc.com.
Beyond a dedicated space for innovation, Sunoco also has a dedicated process. Yeah, so a lot of times our innovations are driven by both our customer insights as well as our own insights. So we pride ourselves in understanding the marketplace, understanding what our customers' needs are as well or sometimes even better than our customers. And so oftentimes we can understand that there's a problem or issue that even the customer may not realize. And so in that case, you know, we start off with the insights, whether that's from customers, whether that's from Sunoco, whether that's from consumers, and then move through the innovation process. So the, the process that Sunoco uses for innovation is called our I6 process. And essentially it starts with insights and those insights can be from consumers, it can be from our customers, or it can be from Sunoco employees who oftentimes understand the customer needs as much as the customer does. And then from there, it goes to taking those insights and driving to ideation. And that's really that brainstorming and collaboration process that happens between Sunoco and our customers. And then from there, we go into the invention. So once we've gotten those ideas refined, we invent, and then we continue through that I6 process in terms of integrating those uh, solutions into our manufacturing facilities, understanding how it interacts in our customers' facilities with our products, uh, and then lastly, iteration is the last step in that I6 process. So once we've invented and made sure that it works, how do we improve upon it? That continuous improvement mindset is also a critical part of innovation. Insights, ideation, invention, integration, iteration, and improvement. Sunoco's I6 innovation process provides a foundation for anyone who wants to innovate. But even with a strong process, you need an even stronger team. Absolutely. So when we're looking to hire people, especially in the uh, technical and innovation space, we're, we're looking at, first of all, skill sets and talent. So do they have the knowledge and the expertise and, and the skill sets that we're looking for? But the other thing that we always look for is, is their aptitude and willingness to learn, uh, their coachability, and really um, you know, their ability to work and collaborate with others, because that's really what this IPS studio that we're sitting in today is all about, is how do we collaborate to bring out the best ideas? So that's another critical piece for anybody that we want to bring into uh, a role that's focused on innovation. And Elizabeth makes the case that innovation can be broad and ambiguous but they've made a strong effort to define it and focus their efforts. Yeah, so a lot of times when people think about innovation, they think about it in terms of something tangible, a product that's being produced, but really innovation can be innovation in a process, innovation in a service. It could You could be innovative in how you manage your team, how you organize um, your organization. There are a lot of different ways that you can be innovative. And so when we define innovation, we really are thinking about taking insights and ideas and converting those into value-added uh, products, services, or processes. I think any company to be successful has to innovate in more spaces than just the product that their final customer sees. You know, we have innovation in our operations around improving efficiency and productivity in our operations. We have uh, innovation around the processes uh, throughout our company from everything from, you know, financial to environmental uh, reporting and metrics. So, yeah, I think to be successful as a company and to run a company well, you have to innovate in a lot of different spaces. For me, innovation is driven out of necessity. 
So whatever that need is, is what's driving innovation. In some cases, it's, it's a need for a particular product. In some cases, a need for a change to a process. Um, all, but all of it comes back to what is the need. In my world in sustainability, there's a lot of innovation going on now around uh, increasing recyclability of difficult to recycle materials. And that's being born out of necessity. There's a lot of effort around how do we improve the environment? How do we reduce um, the, the impact of, of packaging and other human related actions on the environment? And so there's a lot of innovation in that space around energy, around recyclability, around other technologies that help drive that. I think you can tell sustainability is something that's very, very important to Elizabeth, but she's actually fairly new to her role. I actually just started in this role about um, eight months ago, so in November of 2020. Well, my number one priority in this role was really developing a strong strategy around sustainability for Sunoco. Part of the reason I was brought into this role was to really elevate the importance of sustainability within Sunoco and to make sure that we were looking at our sustainability efforts from a global perspective and across all of the packaging platforms. So I've really been focused on building out my team, making sure that we have the right people in the right seats, that we have the right structure to support Sunoco's sustainability efforts globally. And then beyond that, it's really around making sure that we are interacting closely with our business unit leaders around what their strategies are and ensuring that sustainability is embedded in those strategies and that my team is positioned to support those businesses and executing against those strategies. And oftentimes that means making sure that we're able to support them in meeting what their customer requirements are around uh, sustainability as well. At the time of our conversation, she was eight months in, but she's already made some great progress. I would say we've had, had a lot of wins. We've gotten a lot of good momentum since I've been in this role around really building out our team structure. So if you look at my team today and you look at my team 18 months ago, only one person that's in my team today existed within that team 18 months ago. And when you look at the size of the team, you know, eight months ago versus the size of the team now, it's uh, more than tripled in terms of the resources that we have, because that's how important sustainability is to Sunoco. So I think that's a win, just lining up the right resources, being able to say, this is the structure that I think we need to uh, drive our strategy and getting the support from our leadership to put those people and those resources in place has been a great win for me. And then beyond that, the fact that we have so many of our business leaders who are actively coming to us and wanting to engage with my team on how do we, how do we execute a roadmap? How do we build a roadmap with your team? And certainly we've done a lot of work specific to several of our packaging formats to really understand the challenges around recyclability of those formats, collecting data, doing uh, trials in our recycling facilities to understand how does how does that particular package flow through a recycling facility so that we can ultimately have that information to take back and work with municipalities, work with other MRF operators and with our customers to help drive increased recycling rates for some of our formats. So I feel really good about where we are today. I think we've done a lot of good work and I feel like we're poised to just continue to drive additional roadmap execution throughout the company. 
At this point, you might be asking, why? Why are Elizabeth, Sunoco, their partners so invested in sustainability? Sustainability is important to me because it's, it's what the word says. It's about sustaining. It's sustaining our environment, uh, sustaining our, our, um, our, our country, our way of life. Uh, for not just myself, but for future generations. I think it's all about making sure that we're taking our responsibility for leaving the planet as good or better than it was when we came into it. So we've certainly seen an uptick in uh, sustainability activity, and the trend is certainly around you know, additional um, corporate responsibility as it relates to sustainability and the impact of companies on the environment. Probably about uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, when really early on in my career at Sunoco, there was this big push around sustainability, and it kind of died off, to be honest with you. Uh, but now sustainability is here to stay. We're hearing questions about sustainability from our brand owners that we work with. We're hearing questions about sustainability from the investors that invest in, in Sunoco. It's not a trend. It is, you know, it's a reality of life going forward for businesses like Sunoco, like our customers, and like many of other people in the packaging industry. And it's extremely important, and not just a, from a packaging and product sustainability perspective, but also looking at the uh, impact of our operations and not just our direct operational impact, but the impact of our entire value chain. So all the things that happen before and after a package leaves our facility, how can we influence those things more positively so that our overall environmental impact is reduced? And uh, our customers are looking for us to do that because we're part of their value chain. And so we're all kind of in that way, pushing one another towards driving solutions around sustainability. What makes Elizabeth successful? not just in a role or at the company, but as a high-powered female corporate executive. So I think part of what has allowed me to be successful in my career is really persistence and resilience. Um, I think also I, I come with a positive attitude and a willingness to learn, um, a desire to lead. I think that desire to lead is important and, and a drive for excellence. So those are the things that I think have allowed me to be successful, and I think many of those things you'll see across a lot of uh, leaders within uh, industry, as well as definitely a lot of uh, uh, female leaders within industry. And certainly being a, a, a woman in the corporate workforce comes with its challenges. There's often times where I'm the only woman in the room, and um, it can be uh, challenging to navigate corporate America as a female leader. I think one of the great things about Sunoco is that we have uh, recognized that. And so as part of our Diversity and Inclusion Council, we've developed a women's networking business resource group, which gives women an opportunity to network with other women across uh, different levels of the organization, that opportunity to, to collaborate with one another and to support one another. And then also that provides that forum for us to bring issues and concerns to leaders within Sunoco um, so that we can ultimately drive towards a better work environment for everyone at Sunoco, both women and, and men. You know, I, I, you know, I've got that desire to lead and again, he, uh, drive towards excellence. Um, you know, I, I like that uh, in my roles in Sunoco, I've been able to kind of reinvent myself in each role. And I think that's one of the great things about Sunoco being as diversified as a company that we are. 
You know, if you think about it, I've had a career in technology, I've had a career in sales, I've had a career in marketing, and now I'm on my journey for uh, a, a career in sustainability and I've stayed with the same company. So I think that's one of the things that has allowed me to maintain that resiliency and to continue to be driven is just that opportunity to continue to reinvent myself within the same company. You can't make it to a position like Elizabeth's by yourself. So it turns out I did have a mentor when I was starting out at Sunoco. I just didn't know it. Um, you know, oftentimes we have peer mentors or we have informal mentors that we don't realize are actually mentoring us. We just think we're going through our normal day-to-day -day thing. But as I've looked back and reflected, I know that I've had a lot of people who have mentored me along the way from day one, whether it was showing me the ropes, helping me to understand the, the culture and learn the culture of Sunoco or learn my job. So those people have been influential to me. Many of them are still my friends and colleagues today. And then as I got further along in my career, I did have a more of a formal mentoring relationship with um, several you know, leaders inside and outside of Sunoco. But probably one of the most influential mentors I had was one of my former managers who really challenged me to, well, he was really the first person who said, you are a leader and you need to figure out you know, your leadership style and what type of leader you want to be. And he challenged me to look at who are some of the other leaders in the organization that you would want to model yourself after and who are some of the leaders that you don't want to model yourself after. And that really stuck to me because, you know, he said it was important not to just go through things without being conscious about those kind of things. Um, so that has stuck with me for a very long time in terms of making sure that I'm conscious about the type of leader uh, that I am and um, what I'm projecting to people who are interacting with me and, and the type of leader that my team believes that I am versus the type of leader that I want to be. First of all, a leader leads by example. They inspire their team. That leader cares about his or her team. I think the other good thing about leaders is they have a willingness to learn that they should be courageous, that they should be willing to take risks, calculated risk, but risk nonetheless. And I think in all of those things, you have to operate um, with a sense of integrity. And I think those are the things that really make someone a strong leader. And she had this to add for those looking to follow in her footsteps. So the advice that I would give to any aspiring career person and, and definitely any uh, women in who are early in their careers is don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to step up, uh, um, take risks as long as you're learning from them. <laughs> you have to have that willingness to learn, to learn from your mistakes, you know, stay humble. Um, you know, some great advice that I got from one of my mentors was around, you know, focus on the job that you're in and do that well, you know, and, and the next opportunity will come. So oftentimes we wanna plan out our whole entire career from day one. And that's, you know, if I had planned my career from day one, it would not look anything like it does today. And so being willing to be flexible, adaptable, willing to learn and, and learn about yourself along in that journey is what I would say to anybody that's uh, new in their career. My name is Elizabeth Brew, and those were my notes on innovation. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. Join us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Scribble Innovation. And don't forget, sign up for our newsletters. Special thanks to my co-host, Laura McIntosh, the Managing Director of the South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. 
I'm Joseph Nother, co-founder of Design Sensory and PopFizz. Additional thanks to our team, producer and editor Hunter Foster, sound engineers Mike Deering and Samuel Thomas, original music by Matt Honkinen, with additional support from Tia Nelson, Sarah Plemons, Ronnie Wilson, Robin Hendricks, and Lexi Williams. Next time on Of Note. That was my first understanding was the plight of the farmer and what a very difficult, first just what a very difficult way it is to make a living. But then as you looked at the challenges that they were facing and then when you layered on top of it, global climate change and the impacts that that has to the complexity that they're trying to execute under, that's what really got my, my wheels spinning. And over the last year or two, I've really started to get a keen understanding of what's going on in the environment. It's taken me a while, honestly. You know, I, I did not understand a year ago even that if you put food into a landfill, it creates methane, which is 10, 20 time, 25 times worse than carbon dioxide. So you start to think about that. You start thinking about the large scale waste of food and why is there a large scale waste of food?